you are listening to Seek the Word Ministries podcast. Seek the Word is a ministry started in 2013 dedicated to biblical theology and biblical teaching. I'm your host, Brandon Ritchie, pastor of Grace Community Christian Church in Plymouth, Indiana. Hello. Um, it's been a while since we've done one of these podcasts, and so uh, we've been away for a little while. Uh, Grace Community Christian Church, or GC3, um, is in a new facility, and so uh, we were spending a lot of time getting the facility ready, and uh, we took a break from the podcast, and so now we're back. Um, have a new office, and um, we're we're back and doing the podcasts, and I wanted to do this one. Um, we're gonna, we'll get into some news um, that has happened uh, since our last podcast. Um, but one thing I wanted to talk about uh, to start on this one was, oftentimes I get asked, um, what, who do I listen to as a pastor? What pastors do I listen to? Um, what do I read? Um, what ministries do I follow? And so uh, I just wanted to to kind of maybe give a, a, a short list, not a really in-depth list of, of that. Um, I think anybody in our local congregation or anyone who, who has spent any time with me knows that um, Dr. John MacArthur had a huge impact on my ministry. Um, when I, I, I first heard his sermons and started reading his material, I think that the first thing I ever read of his was... Uh, um, Charismatic Chaos, uh, and then uh, later Strange Fire. Uh, I can't, uh, I cannot uh, recommend those books enough, especially for anyone who's come out of um, the, the 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 charismatic movement or been involved in the charismatic movement. Um, those are amazing books, uh, and so. Um, but but. Uh, all of his material, I have uh, I have enjoyed all of his material. Um, loved listening to to Dr. MacArthur. As a matter of fact, I, I attempt to listen to a couple of his sermons a day, um, just to, to be fed. Uh, someone else, uh, Dr. Steve Lawson, um, has had a huge influence on me, um, and so I, I love listening to to Dr. Lawson, Dr. Vody Bacham. Um, I, I really enjoy. Um, Dr. Bachum and, and uh, his material. I especially love his ministry that, that involves the family and, and fatherhood and raising children. Uh, has had a huge impact on, on me. Uh, and then there's a lot of um, uh, pastors who are no longer with us that I, I, I like. Uh, uh, other than Dr. MacArthur, I would say the, the person who, who had the biggest impact on my ministry was uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones. Uh, Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, uh, an incredible pastor. If you're unfamiliar with him, you can find his sermons online. The, the, the Martin Lloyd-Jones Trust, I, I do believe, um, those are, are free online. Uh, he, he, he preached with such intensity and such urgency. Uh, and you just don't hear that kind of preaching anymore. And he did it at a time when um, uh, uh, Great Britain was was really the churches over there um, 
we're, we're really going through a real liberal phase. And so kind of similar to what America is going through and through. Um, uh, the churches over there were really pandering to the, the culture and society and trying to get people in the door, just like we've seen here over the last 20, 25 years or so. Um, and so he, he bucked that system, was devoted to, to preaching God's word and making God's word the focus of, of his preaching and of the service. And that, that had a huge impact on me and putting a service together um, for Grace Community Christian Church was uh that was a, an important aspect of it uh, i have said several times when someone leaves uh, grace community christian church or gc3 I, i've never wanted them to say they go here because they enjoyed uh, the worship songs or they go here because uh, their kids like the the children's church i wanted them to say they're going here because they're hearing god's word the center piece and the focus of our service. It's where everything is geared around and that they are hearing God's word and they are growing um, from that. So that's very, very important to me. And that, that comes from a heavy influence from, from, from Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones. Um, I also read a lot of John Calvin. Uh, uh, Calvin's Institute on uh, Christianity is, a, is an amazing book. Um, I like reading a lot of his uh, sermons uh, that have been printed, uh, um, and so uh, and and Jonathan Edwards. Jonathan Edwards may be the the, the greatest American pastor of all time, uh, and one of the greatest minds uh, from America. Um, so I, I really enjoy Jonathan Edwards, uh, Charles Spurgeon. I, I think it goes without saying he was the prince of preachers. Um, I think he's influenced every. Uh, um, pastor, definitely a reformed pastor um, in some way, shape, or form. Um, so those are those are people, um, pastors who have influenced me or have had an influence on our ministry. And as far as ministries that we follow, um, uh, Legionnaire Ministries, we support Legionnaire Ministry. I, I can't speak uh, highly enough about that ministry, um, their material. In, and their teaching tools are, are just absolutely uh, amazing. Uh, another one that um, comes across my social media feed that I really enjoy uh, is Pulpit and Pen. Um, and I believe that's uh, Pastor J.D. Hall uh, oversees that. Or, um, uh, that is a, a great they have great news articles. They have great articles. Uh, I love the fact that they are they are holding teachers and pastors accountable, um, even hold denominations accountable. Uh, and they can kind of come under some scrutiny, I think, at times. Um, and, and so, and, and listen, uh, we we can we can disagree on on certain things, but I, I can tell you that. Uh, that J.D. Hall, Pastor J.D. Hall, is a, is a brother in Christ and, and a, um, an amazing, amazing uh, pastor who is contending for the faith. And so uh, I want to thank him for his dedication to pulpit and pen and his dedication to contending for the faith. I'm uh, reminded of 
Uh, Jude 1.3, Beloved, although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. Listen, the people whom Jude, the author of that, is writing to are believers. Their salvation was not in danger, but false teachers were misleading and confusing those who needed to hear the genuine gospel. Jude is writing to encourage Christians to battle, so to say, against error and those false teachings. And as Christians, and definitely as pastors, we need to strenuously guard the treasure trove of truth, being God's word, and fight for that truth. And we need to be, be teaching our congregations, our local congregations, to do the same. And so I applaud uh, Pastor J.D. Hall. I applaud all those contributors over at Pulpit and Pen uh, for contending for the faith, for um, holding pastors accountable, uh, holding ministries accountable. We all have feet of clay. And, and um, so it is easy, I, I think, at times to, to slip into error. Or, and so we need that accountability. Um, and so... Uh, I, I would recommend Pulpit and Pen. Uh, you can like them on Facebook uh, and on social media. Uh, and so um, just one of the ministries that I enjoy getting uh, news from. Now, that brings me to some, some news. Uh, we've been away from the podcast for a little while, uh, and I've not addressed much of the issues going on in the social justice movement outside uh, of uh, just with my local congregation. And let me say, I, I did not think that things could get any more bizarre on the social justice front than they were. But it has completely gone off the rails and no longer in just the Orthodox Christian circles. But this past week at a gay pride parade, Pentecostal churches or a Pentecostal church showed up at the parade to apologize to the gay community. For, for what I'm not sure, but if it was for holding them accountable to God's word, then shame on those Pentecostal churches for apologizing. Listen, holding any individual or any group to be accountable to God's word is not hate. It, it is the most loving thing that we as Christians can do. It would be shameful for us if we truly believe in God's word to remain silent and watch anyone willfully live a life uh, in direct opposition of scriptural authority. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 10, Or do you not know that their unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, not the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Now listen, the last command Jesus gave to his followers before ascending back to heaven was in Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So as Christians, our, our mission is to reach people with the gospel in an attempt to make 
them disciples. And that is more than getting them to just say they believe in God or a God. Verse 20 is a call to teach them to observe, which is to obey all Jesus commanded. And we live in an age where so many churches believe, and then they send out young people to just get people to say that they believe. They, 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 they just convince people to say or make a profession of faith. But just believing does not make one a disciple. A disciple is a learner follower. A disciple of Christ is one who desires to obey his commands. And we cannot divorce Jesus from God. They are one and the same. So God's commands are Jesus's commands. Jesus spoke on behalf of God because he was God. So as Christians, we want we confront anyone, anyone living a lifestyle in direct opposition of biblical authority, which is any form of sexual immorality, promiscuity, any type of sexual relations outside of marriage. We confront them not to be combative, but out of love in hopes to see them humble themselves in repentance and come to saving faith in Christ. We cannot force them to do that. We cannot convince them to do that. We can merely present them with the truth, the unwatered down, unabashed truth of God's word, and then we get out of its way. It takes conviction of the Holy Spirit in their life and the effectual call of God on their life for them to come to that place of repentance. We merely present them with and hold them to the word of God. We do not ever apologize for doing so. This ties into the whole ordeal with the social justice movement that has infiltrated the church, though. The cultural, societal movement, which many culturally pandering pastors and churches have grabbed a hold of in an attempt to be accepted by their surrounding culture. And the problem with the social justice movement are that, one, it, it makes a broad stroke people group. It makes broad stroke people groups. Um, it's, it's a, one group is the oppressed or the victims, and the other are the oppressors or the, the privileged. And, and the individual identity, people's individual identities, uh, don't matter because the individual doesn't matter. It's all about the people groups. And so your identity is based on which victim group or oppressive group you belong. Do you belong to the oppressed victims group or do you belong to the oppressors privileged group? And so which group you belong to is dependent not on any value of yours other than your ethnicity, your sexuality, or your gender. And based on those attributes alone, the social justice movement classifies you as being a member of an oppressed victim group or um, an oppressive privileged group. So say you are a Caucasian straight male who grew up dirt poor in a trailer, barely getting by, and you worked your tail off to be educated and scratched your way out of your impoverished state of being, according to the social justice movement, you do not deserve it because you, by your ethnicity, your sexuality, and your gender, belong to the privileged group. But if, say, you are a minority or belong to a minority group or a homosexual uh, or 
uh, and you were born in Beverly Hills with, with wealth at your disposal, and you got to go to the finest schools, well, see, according to the social justice warriors, then you deserve everything you got because they classify you as a person by your ethnicity, sexuality, and gender, and you met two or three or one of their three major oppressed categories. So any, any uh, advantage that someone would have, if the advantage works towards someone they deem is part of the oppressive uh, um, uh, privileged group based on their ethnicity, sexuality, or gender, then they don't deserve it. But if the inequality, if, if it works to the favor of someone they deem an oppressed minority or an oppressed group or a member of the victims group based on their ethnicity, sexuality, and gender, then, then that inequality is, is fair. Then that equality is, is actually um, to the good because it worked out towards one of these oppressed victim groups. See, they only see people by these assigned groups and not individually. And their cure for this, their cure for this inequality based on the oppressive privileged versus the oppressed victims, um, their cure is cultural Marxism. That's their answer. They don't say that outright, but that's what it is because their cure is to strip any wealth, whether it's earned or not, and any power, whether it's earned or not, from those whom they classify as privileged and oppressive based on those people's ethnicity, sexuality, or gender, and they want to distribute that wealth and that power to the groups they deem as victims or oppressed based on what? Based on those people's ethnicity, sexuality, and gender. That's the social justice movement in a nutshell, and it is not Christian. It, it, is, it, is, it is cultural Marxism. And it has infiltrated the church and it has infiltrated the evangelical church in our nation like an infection. And it is spreading like wildfire. And why? Well, because it's sold as the social gospel. And to a generation of young evangelicals who come from a generation raised on social media, where cultural relevance is more paramount to their existence than any generation before, the social gospel is an easy sell to a lost and confused world. It is so much easier to feel good about themselves and feel that they've accomplished something by enabling sinful, socially acceptable behavior and merely showing support and standing shoulder to shoulder with those in the world rather than possibly being rejected by the culture for taking the real gospel, which is not compatible with the cultural mindset towards many of these issues. And there's a whole generation of claiming Christians who fear rejection from this culture. They have no understanding that they are not to be friends with the world and that the world, if they are true believers, will never accept them. That's not my words. Those are God's words. James 4.4, 4, you adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? 
Therefore, whoever wishes to make himself a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. So many of these young evangelicals who are wanting to stand shoulder to shoulder with, with those in the world uh, to pacify, to, to, to seem relevant, to, to be accepted, um, and they make themselves a friend of the world and the world's causes, they're making themselves an enemy of God. Jesus himself says in Matthew 10, 22, and you will be hated by all for my name's sake, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. Why would anyone who truly is a follower of Christ ever desire to be accepted by this world? Any movement of this world. Listen, if you want to know what movements are bad, it's simple. Is it a movement of the world's? Does the movement reflect the culture's view? If the answer is even close to yes, it's best to stay away. As Christians, we desire to see souls saved from this world, out of this sinful, fallen culture. We should never attempt to normalize sinful behavior or enable cultural iniquity. And we are unapologetic about holding the world accountable to God's word and God's law. If we truly believe in the day of judgment and all those who are not of Christ will feel God's wrath, we should stop apologizing and increase our efforts to contend for God's truth and boldly proclaim God's word. The answer to our culture's problems are not redistribution of wealth or redistribution of power. The answer is Christ changing fallen sinful hearts bringing them to repentance and reconciliation to the only perfectly righteous, holy, sovereign God. I'm Brandon Ritchie, pastor of Grace Community Christian Church in Plymouth, Indiana, and this has been the Seek the Word video or uh, podcast. God bless.